independent, expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Good evening, music lovers. Welcome to your Wednesday night. You are listening to the show Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, we are very happy to have Cody Hudak. Like so many young musicians, Cody Hudak started a band to attract the attention of girls. After slogging it out playing keyboards in the L.A.-based indie band Marvelous Toy, he ended up finding a very nice girl to marry, his talented wife Joanna, who now sings with him in his semi-eponymous band, Cody the Band. His music is filled with pop hooks, inventive chord changes, and a fresh approach to musical self-awareness. Welcome to Independence Day, Cody Hudak. Thank you for having me. It's, it's, it's good to have you. Uh, you are, you're L.A.-based. Did you grow up here? Are you like a local boy through and through? Yes, yes, local L.A. Okay, and you went, but you went to school elsewhere for a while. I, w- I went to college in, uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan for a while. That was the most, uh, most exotic place I've ever been. So, And what, uh, why, why Ann Arbor? I mean, I've been to Ann Arbor. I'm, I'm a Midwestern guy myself. So wh- of all the places you could possibly go growing up in Los Angeles, why Ann Arbor? Well, you know, um, I, you know, to be honest with you, I think Big Ten schools have a lot of draw, you know, because they you, do. you're very exposed to them. I was always into Michigan basketball. And when it came down to schools, it was sort of, you know, you hate to go with, you know, the perspective, it was the best one I got into, but I uh-huh. didn't know what I wanted out of life. Right. And you know, at a Big Ten school, you're going to get a lot of just college options. So I was like, you know what, I'll pick there. But I remember being on a plane and being like, I can't believe I'm going to Michigan. Yeah. I don't even know what this place is. So Yeah, and it was cold, wasn't it? Oh, it was really cold, yeah. <laughs> How long did you stay there? Uh, I was there for two and a half years, and then uh, I transferred to USC. I, I, my friends were going abroad at Michigan to uh, to Europe, and I figured I'd, I'd st- uh, spend a semester abroad in Los Angeles and focus on music for a bit. Uh-huh. And uh, things were going pretty well, so I decided, well, let me just let me just stay here, thinking, you know, I would be, you know, signed within a year. Of course, it's only been about seven or eight years since then. So yeah, you're still in the hunt, though, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So now you're 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 pretty much an independent musician, right? You don't. Are you, is when you release your records, you've got a couple records at least now. Are you on a, a label, or are you do you do these completely on your own? Uh, I do them on my own. Yeah. Okay, and that's and that's the way that everyone's. That seems like to be the way that people are doing these these days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so are you then, do you make these records at home? Do you go to studios? You're self-financing too, I would guess, right? Yeah, self-financing. Um, yeah, I mean, so you make them, uh, like, I, you know, I've been lucky enough to have, like, enough money here and there to be able to record some of it at studios. But I've also been lucky enough to have gotten an inbox years ago and just gotten everything hooked up to the point where I could take it home and, and add stuff here and there. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's definitely a mix. But you got to do drums in a studio, yeah. you know. For our listeners at home, Mbox, it's a little tiny digital interface you can attach to your computer, your laptop, or your desktop. allows you to record just a couple tracks at a time, but that's how mostly you make records at home. You know, it's usually just you. You do the Lenny Kravitz thing. You play one instrument at a time, and you build it up until you've got a big, giant, you've got an opus, a magnum opus. Absolutely, yeah. So let's hear a little bit of what you've been able to do with this recording here. This is the track, Give Daddy a Smile, from you. It's a brand new EP, just came out late last year, correct? Mr. and Mrs., correct? Yes. And there are, let's see, I've got a copy of it sitting right here on the desk. Looks like there are, oh, it's the other one, it's the, it's the brown one, the brown paper it's one. It's unmarked, like a trendy New York City restaurant. Yeah, or, yeah, like a speakeasy, or, yeah, a lot of people are doing this too, like they'll, I've seen so many artists nowadays, they'll take, what I'm holding in my hand is their new EP packaging, and it's, it's just a brown, like, cardboard sleeve, but a lot of people are taking them and, like, they'll get stamps made and they'll sit around and they'll make, like, they're all kind of unique. So, like, they're turning, that's one thing I think is really interesting about music now is people are turning it into a, like, a, it's at the fan level, like, at that level. So many, because so many people now in music have to have day jobs and they, they you know, they don't, they don't have support from a label like they used to. So they make the stuff at home and they make an artist thing out of each little thing and sell them that way. It's a unique experience for the fan. Yeah, it's, it's like artisan everything is is big now. So you know, it's yeah. like artisan music. You know, artisan cheese. You could even combine them. You know, yeah, maybe it's something you could think about. Yeah, you could. You could. You know, your record could come with a nice wedge of Stilton. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right. Autograph well, Stilton. <laughs> Autograph Stilton. In any case, like as we were saying, we'll come back and talk more about this in just a second. This is the track "Give Daddy a Smile" from Cody Hudak on Independence Day.
Good evening, friends. My name is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day. Every Wednesday, we talk about music and what it's like to be a musician in the 21st century in the brand new millennium, which is still, ink is still wet on this thing, as far as I can tell. Welcome, Cody Hudock. Good to be here. To Independence Day. So tell me, you've got a few records out. And your process that you've done started out how? You worked with a band, you had you went to a studio. How did you start out doing this recording thing? Like traditional band? Well, I mean, you know, from the time I really decided to get serious about it, I, I, I was I was fortunate enough to work with, with some really good musicians. And we the first one I did in 2010, I, when I say first, I mean, the fir- I've been recording for a while, but the first, like, uh-huh. I'm going to do this in a studio, so there's no excuses. Um, we recorded it, you know, we, we did drums in the studio. I had a lot of good musicians help out at, you know, horn section pl- horn sections play etc and you know the album was 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 good i mean it was it was a quality piece of work i i recorded the second album on a much tighter budget tried to do it the same way but skimp in a lot of ways and i wasn't happy with the way the album came out and so this this third album i just you know at the time i wasn't working and i just decided to just you know go rogue and just kind of do it in my garage i was kind of emboldened to do it watching watching you know people that i had worked with before you know just just you know i used to think there was an art to you know, miking an amp, like, oh, I'll never want to do it. I didn't go to recording school. But more or less, I realized it's just about using your ears. Um, and I trust my ears. So, you know, I, I, I tune the amp until it sounds good to me. I, I, I tweak the guitar until it sounds good to me. And yeah. But then you have to pay for mixing. I mean, that's the thing. You could do it at right. home, but you gotta, you got to work with someone who, could, who can mix like a saint. Yeah, I, I have a rule. It's called, uh, if it sounds good, it is good. Yeah. You know, that's because really it's music. That's the only thing that people are going to experience out of this is hearing what what it is. And if you and that's the thing, you've got the right approach. I mean, just some people just do it. That's like the punk ethos, you know, throw them throw a mic in front of an amp and go, you know, and maybe it'll be good. Maybe it won't sound good. But if you're using, you know, even if you're not experienced in the technical art of how it's supposed to be done, you can still like exactly like you said, you can just move the mic around in the room until it sounds the way you want it to sound. You know, and if you've got big ears, the more you listen, the better it'll sound. It'll wind up being. And you do use Pro Tools at home, correct? Yeah, yeah, Pro, Pro Tools six, the six point four. Wow, that's an old version. It is, it is. But I mean, it works for what I needed to work for. Yeah. Well, that's just it. Like the leap from when they invented it to like it got to around that point was a huge break from the old way. But then from there, it's like the law of diminishing returns. They just keep reef like fine tuning things and changing little things here or there, a little more capability. But you know, it really hasn't changed drastically. I mean, the, the basic functionality of it's been the same for a while. Yeah, yeah. People are like, "Oh, you should really get like nine. Like the plugins it comes with are great." I'm like, I, you know, I just give it to someone to mix. Yeah, I, I don't need the plugins. But you know, that's only for my own like enjoyment while I'm while yeah. I'm listening to it. And mixing is a weird art too. Like I, we mixed the last record I did at home, and well, some of it we actually paid an engineer uh, who was great. Uh, Ronan uh, Chris Murphy, I believe, he's a guy here in LA, and he's fantastic. He did an excellent job, and he mixes with um, actually an old Pro Tools 24 rig, which is an old, older Pro Tools rig by Pro Tools standards. But he does a really weird thing. He runs everything out through an analog console and does all his processing with outboard gear. So he's got these big racks of like nice compressors and nice EQs and all these. He's got a, like a spring reverb tank and all these crazy things and runs it back into Pro Tools. And every now and again, like if he's got one funny little thing, he'll pull up a plug in to do one little thing, you know, one little funny delay effect on a tambourine or something. But almost everything he does is all this like real stuff, which is cool. It, ch- it changes the sound, I think. Yeah, it, it, it does. And like in the, like people, a lot of times, like when I'll, I'll give like, you know, other people like advice, like people are like starting out, like, you know, what. Uh, you know what is you know what am I paying for in a mix? And I really say you know the difference between a hundred and fifty dollar mix to a three hundred dollar mix and, and above. It's really about the outboard gear they have. Yeah, like you know it, it's it, like you could do it in the box as they say, and you're going to get a, you know a certain result. But it's really it's about there's certain outboard gear that you can't replicate, and you're really paying for that. You're paying for someone who's an expert of knowing how to use you know, you know their distressor or whatever yeah. it is that they're using. But there's certain tools that I worked with a mixer one time, and this guy was was great. And, and, and I was just like, yeah, these drums sound amazing when he brought me over to listen. He's like, well, of course, everything sounds great. I got it going through this guy over here. And like, there's always like one piece of equipment yeah. that you can't live without. And if you have it going through that guy, it's going to sound tremendous. And those, yeah. that guy is really expensive, you know, so. Yeah. And it's in, in a lot of the things like they, they learn, these guys learn how to use the quirks 
of this gear. Like that's the thing. Like because some of the gear, you know, like the the whole trick with the old 1176 compressors where you push all four buttons in for the gain for the 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 ratio, the gain reduction ratio, and it creates this crazy sound that like I suppose the plugin can do that, but it'll never really do that the way that that cool analog crazy mistake accident happy accident sound, you yeah. know. And so, so you're a believer in recording things at home. And you were you were describing, I think before, you do something. You're, you're using drum loops on the record. Uh, yes, yes. Some droops, drum, some droops, some drum loops. Um, the song "Crazy for You" actually is a drum loop going the entire way through. And uh, some other songs, I will just literally chop up. You know, kicks. I'll chop up snares, and I'll arrange them. You know, I would prefer to have a drummer. I would actually prefer to have a drummer do the recording, and then also have a producer, a very talented producer. You know, uh, you know, kind of support it or buttress it with with electronic drums. I think would be great, but that's you know, I mean, that that takes time and money. But yeah, I, I do like the effect of having a lot of like you know synthesized drums in addition to real drums. Yeah, it's it's become part of the palette. I mean, initially, I remember drum drummers being very threatened by drum machines. You know, like that was like, oh, I'm going to be replaced. Um, but then, you know, some some artists really, some drummers found a really cool way to incorporate it, like make it part of what they do. You know, there's a there's a different sound for that, but I don't think it will ever, you know. And I guess in some styles, it's you know, there never really was a drummer in house music or trance or whatever. That's all drum machines. But but you know, I, I most drummers I know would get bored playing that anyway. But there's this, there's a guy I know in Chicago I've worked with, a great drummer. I think he moved to New York. Um, he did this crazy thing in his set. I got he he would sub for us sometimes. He had his drum set, his regular snare, but then he had this little tiny diameter snare that was tuned really high pitched. And what he had done was, there's, is, it, is it dub? There's some kind of music that takes these drum loops and then speeds them up. Like really fast. So the pitch of the snare goes up. And he emulated that. Like he learned to play like that style on his drum set. And whenever he wanted to do that, he would play that really high-pitched snare. So there's different ways to incorporate it, I think, creatively. You know, it's like all part of the palette. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I like your approach because you know, I didn't really notice this straight away on your record, but it's a drum, it's a drum loop, but it's, it fits, it works, it's cool. Yeah, a lot, a lot of loops. You know, that's the thing is in the end, you work with what you, you got to work with and, you know, it's, it's like, it, could it be better? Yeah, but you know, it's, it's working with found objects and you, you tune it yeah. until it sounds good to your ears and you got to trust your ears. It's the DIY aesthetic. It, you know, you, you, like you said, you work with what you have. It's the Donald Rumsfeld thing. You go to war with the army you have. You know, I've you, never been compared to Donald Rumsfeld. You make well, it's it's the it's no, the, but I don't mind. Yeah, it's outside the box, you see, you're working with what you have. You have like a good military analogy, and you're going with it, and it's it's very refreshing. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll use whatever I've got, man. What whatever is at my disposal, whatever's on my palate, any arrow on my quiver. How many how many metaphors? How deep can we go? We how about you play it. a song for us, man? That would be really great. Yeah, no, you can say. And I love I love the fact that you've got a keyboard in here. I mean, I'm a guitarist, but I love having different instruments in here and i think this is maybe two weeks in a row we've had some keyboards in here so this is pretty cool it's, uh this is a tell me what you're going to do here you step over to your uh to your to your music rig here because so we've had to do because you prefer to stand this is kind of an unusual thing we usually well, don't have people standing up here. i don't mind well that's so weird let me uh, <laughs> uh well, that's cool so tell us what this is going to be what is this tune uh this song is called uh we've just cheated death it's actually a new song i just recorded um, I mean, it's not a new song, but the recording is new, and um, yeah, it, it, it's it's new enough. It's new enough. It's it's actually the newest one. It's not even up on the Bandcamp site. All right, let's hear it, man. Okay. I still recall the time my friend and I chugged Spanish wine. He couldn't let me crash. I lacked requisite cash to take a cab and leave my car alone. I drove God just get me home alive Never drink and drive I know Cheer up baby We just cheated death Don't stop now We're not safe yet Cheer up baby We just cheated death Don't look back Death hasn't left Go and go and go and uh, go and go and go and uh, I can't remember when I popped that last amphetamine. I'd triple up my dose, I'd put them up my nose. I can't believe they give that stuff to kids, those crooks. 
Wide awake in Betty Schneid. Heart was out my chest, I'm cooked. Cheer up, baby, we've just cheated that. Don't stop now, we're not safe yet. Cheer up, baby, we've just cheated that. Don't look back, death hasn't left. Go and go and go and uh, go and go and go and uh. I've said a thousand times, I've read a thousand more. I'm sure this world is gonna end in 2012, my friends. But now they say we've had the minds wrong all along. Might be off by 50 years. Damn, I guess I better floss my teeth. Cheer up, baby, we just cheated there. Don't stop now, we're not safe yet. Cheer up, baby, we just cheated death. Don't look back, death hasn't left. Go and go and go and uh. Go and go and go and uh. Cody Hudak on Independence Day. Welcome, sir. That was very, very nice. Some, some, uh, some peanut. You know, I was as you're playing that. I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, if you don't write a rock opera before you're done with this this music career, the war, it will be a shame. Because do you have do you have like theater in your background in any way? I, I you know, I was in um, <laughs> I was in a, a chorus in high school. Because at my high school, for some reason, it was, it was cool to be in chorus. You weren't uh-huh. like a total dork to do it. So um, I definitely developed a love <laughs> for, for singing, you know, very theatrical music. You know, like I, it's just fun. It's just fun to just like let go and, and, and approach it that way. Yeah. And it's a fine line to walk, too, because I don't think you know, you're not silly at all. Like uh, like they might be giants can kind of push that envelope and kind of be quirky for quirk's sake. Like you've got a, a pretty strong quirk quotient in your music, but. But it, it comes off more as like when I'm listening to you, think I'm, I'm thinking like Rent, you know, <laughs> or I'm thinking uh, like an off-Broadway show. Like I think you could totally pull that off. I, I, my friend Eric has been pushing me for years to do that. I prefer to be on Broadway, though. Yeah? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think, well, I, mean, I guess you could start on Broadway. If you're t- Paul Simon, I think you get to start on Broadway. Yeah. But most other people you're have to start. I'd have to start off. Well, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I don't have a crystal ball. But if I did, I'd be using it for something other than that. <laughs> the lottery is like $360 million I know, there's, right a, now. there's a lot of people I'd be looking in on, though, I'll tell you that yeah. much. Okay. So, but that was great. That was great. And who, you know, to write music, like I said, with this, like, quirk quotient, like, who inspired you other than singing in, in like, chorus, like you said? Like, what artists, where, where does this come from? Well, I, I would say... You know, like I, I feel like you know, as a keyboard player, like I really learned to play piano. Like obviously, I took lessons as a, as a kid, but I really learned, got good at the instrument, learning to play Ben Folds songs okay. in high school. And Ben Folds is very colorful in his in his in his lyrics and his approach to you know to songwriting and lyrics. And and then you know, I was also very big on always like John Lennon was huge for me. Not that he's quirky like that, but he's a, a great lyricist. And Tom Waits, Tom Waits, you know, and John Lennon, I'd say are like you know probably my top two guys and tom waits is he's quirky he's 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 sad he's he's happy he's he's surly he's he's drunk i mean like he 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 runs the gamut um and he could pull off the stupidest lyrics in the world if you pull it off i mean if you say it with with conviction if you own it you could say anything you could rhyme you know uh you know uh, i'm in a jam with you know i just bought a christmas ham you know like but like you own it and and And, you know, so I, those, those are my influences. He comes up a lot. I mean, he's a huge, I'm not sure if I would call him an influence because I mean, I'm, I'm, he's one of my favorite artists of all time, but I don't necessarily know that I'm influenced by him because he's so original. I think this just came up last week. Uh, he's so original that to try to, to even inadvertently sound like him, it's like right away, oh, you're, you're, you're aping Tom Waits. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. Like years ago, I had a friend who worked at like a, like a label, and he's just like, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to like how to paint you, or like because I, I can't really figure you out. He's just like, I'm thinking like Tom Waits. So he's like, maybe you could you could cover a Tom Waits song, and then we'll know how to present you. And I started listening to Tom Waits songs to cover, and and all the songs he covers, you can't do Tom Waits covers. I do one Tom Waits cover of Martha because that's I I just kind of think the lyrics out. And I'm not trying to do them, but none of the songs can really be covered without you know, as you said, aping Tom Waits. I mean. And, and and all of his songs are also just these remarkable arrangements. I always thought they would work arranged differently, but his arrangements are just they they're perfect matches to the songs. Yeah, yeah. And then they and there are few artists that I can think of that are so unique, so original. Um, I mean, I, I I like to say that Tom Waits has his own genre because where would you possibly put him? You know, because he's this, his stuff runs the gamut from like weepy piano ballads all the way up to like what I would call like true industrial music with chains and boat anchors and uh, megaphones. And, you know, I can't encourage people enough to go out and buy Tom Waits records if you still buy records anymore. I actually bought his last record on vinyl. Yeah. Yeah, because I, you know, Blind Faith. He's what I call a Blind Faith artist. There's a few artists that I'll, I'll buy their stuff no matter what it is. Yeah, and even if you don't like it, it the, the purchase is still worth it. You're like, I will give this man 12 of my dollars. Even yeah. Like, I don't love all the Tom Waits stuff. I, like, he's one of my absolute... It's weird. I, John Lennon and Tom Waits are probably my two favorite artists in, in a lot of ways. I mean, I put the Beatles above both of them. But I only like, like... 35, 40% of their songs, you know, uh-huh. but it, it doesn't affect me. You know, I mean, John Lennon writes a lot of atonal stuff. You know, I don't listen to it. You know, Tom Waits writes a lot of that, you know, the chain music. I, I don't, I don't love it, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't change how I feel about them. I'm sure if yeah. anyone was ever a fan of my music, they dislike half the stuff I did too. They're like, oh, he's doing yeah. his, his quirky show tune stuff <laughs> or whatever, you know? It's a funny thing about music because I can remember growing up in like, I grew up in an, in like an album era where like if you, 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 you consumed an album as one piece like uh, I remember there was an Eagles album I used to like the Eagles a lot when I was in high school and I remember getting the long run for example which is looking back at it now it's a pretty weak album whether you like the Eagles or not is a separate concept for what we're talking about here but like among in that genre for what they were doing at the time like they were artistically valid for a period and then you know that was right at the end of their career and it's like they kind of slapped it together I, I it just it just feels half-baked to me but when I was younger, I was thinking, well, I should really like this because I really like their last record and I, I should be consuming this whole thing. And I can remember like convincing myself to like it, you know, but looking back at it now, I think that was dumb. You know, it's just not it's not good. <laughs> yeah, but there's nothing wrong. with. I mean, like it, it just goes to show you like the Eagles had to convince themselves they liked it, too. I mean, if you're exposed to things enough, which is why I'm always, you know, just like, you know, I, I would say to someone if they were going to put my record out, like, look, just put this out and put it on the radio. If people hear it enough times, they'll like it. I mean, like. Anything you hear enough times, if it has just anything valid about it, you could get behind, which is why it's really important to just have to get people exposed to things, yeah. you know? And some things have to be, some things have to be lived with. You know, some things have to grow on you. I remember there's artists that I love now that, you know, or like food, for example, there's food or artists that I love now that I couldn't stand at one point. You know, like never say never because it's something may make sense to you at a later point. You know, but I think there's a difference, though. There's a subtle difference between like convincing yourself to like something and then having something like green olives is an example for me. Like as a kid, mom and dad would get the big pizza, and of course I couldn't stand green olives, and you know so they'd get half a pizza with green olives, and every now and again one little olive would like sneak over onto my side and blah blah blah. But then as a grown up, years and years later, I had this taste in my head. Ah, God, what is that craving I'm having? And it took me a really long time to figure out it was green olives. And now, like, I could eat them like a bowl of popcorn. You know, it's, it's just funny how your tastes change over time. Yeah, I, I had the same experience with olive pizza. I didn't think I wanted it. Now, and, like, olive pizza is one of my favorites. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, part of you, you just you just get bored of what you've got. And honestly, your, your, your palate gets dulled or, or just, I don't know, you just learn to tune things out. And so you just want something after a while that smacks you around a little bit in a new way. And I know? think there's, there's something to the artistic temperament that's always seeking. You know, you don't know, you don't even know you're looking, but your brain is. It's like, you know, there, there's always that next artist who's the green olive out there that maybe you didn't know you like, but then you hear it. And maybe even you don't like it the first time you have it. But then a couple of years later, it's like, it's all you want to eat. It's the only album you want to live and listen to. Who, I'm curious, you know, this, this concept of blind faith artists came up a few minutes ago. Who, you know, who, what artist would you buy a record by, like, regardless of, 
you know, without hearing a note. Like, you love them that much. Who would that be? Tom Waits. Hey, like, you said it before. I mean, like, my mom actually just got me the most recent Tom Waits album. I mean, I don't really buy that many records these days, but I would, I would, buy, I would, buy, I would buy Arcade Fire, okay. Blind Faith. Unless people said the album was crap. Well, I would still want to listen to it. But, yeah, I mean, Tom Waits is one of the only people who's iconic enough. I mean, like, Paul McCartney I could pass on unless people said it was great. But I wouldn't have an like buying a Paul McCartney album. I wouldn't have an issue with. I would I would feel perfectly fine, you know, giving away that money. But like you know, some of my favorite guys like you know Ben Folds. Like I, I don't know if I would buy necessarily yeah. his new album. So has there ever been an artist that like once was Blind Faith for you and has kind of fallen from grace? Absolutely, Ben Folds, and and, and okay. he is still great. I saw him in concert recently, and he is still great. It's just you know, I, I don't. I mean, I, 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 you know, he's just doing music that's not entirely what I loved, yeah, the most about him these days. You know, he, I, he got a little, he got a little comfortable. Yeah. Do you? And that brings up another topic. Do you espouse the idea that, and I, I think I do, that the older or like the more, the farther an artist goes in their career, the less interesting their music tends to become. With Tom Waits being an exception, of course. But like, there's a lot of artists. Like the bigger they get, I don't know if it's that they get comfortable. Or, or what it is, but like their music kind of loses spark, but then it always ends up selling more. You know, like, yeah. like an artist like U2, for example, I'm not saying they're bad, they're actually great, but I don't think their music, any of their new albums have been artistically valid in a while. You know, it's like, it, it's like they've, I don't know, they're great still. I still like respect them, I like them. I would probably see them in concert if I had the money, but I don't know. I don't know if it holds up anymore. I, I think. I think, you know, as, as, as like cheesy as it sounds, like the hunger is sort of what makes you, it's like I could write a song now and I'll be like, that's good, but that's just not going to separate me, you know, or I could, I could record a piece of a song and I'll be like, well, that harmony sounds really good, but that's not going to separate me. That's, you know, and like in the days, like when you weren't like married, like myself, for example, it's just like, man, that's just, it's just not going to get people excited. You know, it's like you want to take it the extra step. And I could really see, you know, if 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 I was, you know, not myself, but I see where an artist, I mean, it could happen to me. If, if you are signed to a label and you got to turn out some material, I, I could write a song right now that would be perfectly fine, but it wouldn't be great. It's 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 the but if I needed to get work on an album, I'd be like, well, I'm working with great ass producers. I'm going to take this song that's perfectly fine. And I have a feeling Brian Eno is going to make it sound great. Yeah. You know, and like and he will make it sound really good, but it's not the same as when you had to push yourself yeah. and brutalize yourself to get something that sounded, you know, a cut above. Yeah, well, they, they say, you know, with an artist, it takes you, um, it takes you your whole life to make it. You've got your whole life to make your first album, and then you've got two years to make your second. So it, a lot of bands suffer from that sophomore problem because, you know, things are changing. Maybe they've got a little money or maybe, you know, or maybe they're struggling and they're still hungry, but they still don't have the time. You know, you've got your whole life experience to pour into that first record, and then the second record winds up being a little... Maybe a little lackluster because of that. Yeah, that's 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 completely true, and I see where it happens. If I if I were to put out an album or an album right now, it would have all all the songs are like that. I, I thought about that song being a radio hit, you know. Yeah. But I'm personally, I'm really excited. I've always been very excited for like my third studio album because uh -huh. I want to do something that gets me out of my comfort zone. Because right now I write things as two, like all right, three minute and thirty second pop song. Where's the hook? You know, and, and I just want to I want to be pushed because I know I could turn out something that shocked me and i'm just trying to shock myself at this point yeah <laughs> how about another tune okay you is that got cool it. yeah let's hear something tell us a little bit and we know we got a there's a short little break here while you walk down the hallway to the to the keyboard room test test okay uh, and there we are so tell me tell me about this a little bit is this something that's on a record is this something new what is this 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 song is not on a record as of yet it was it was on an album i recorded that i i, I am not really plugging so much at the whatever Nevertheless, this is not on an album, but this should this should be. This is that's this your is album title very, right there. Whatever. Nevertheless, <laughs> yeah, this is one of my very favorite songs. It's 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 probably the least commercial in a lot of ways, but this is you know it's just about uh, Los Angeles um, and um, I don't know just just dealing with 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 music in Los Angeles and how I how I felt in Los Angeles and, and wanting to leave the urge to leave and the urge to stay and yeah. and um, and just wondering why you are where you are and you aren't somewhere else so that's all, right. all well you are listening to independence day my name is joe armstrong i join you every wednesday night tonight our guest cody hudock he is a keyboard player he is a pop songwriter he is a vocalist and he is about to play us some more songs here in the studio all right cody take it away
I came here with nothing And that's how I am leaving But in between it's been noted You'll kill or be eaten And I am not the kind who can kill with a smile Untamed and wild I'm as easy to read as a child My instincts to blame it Forget people's names I got lost in a game That beat me Oh, Los Angeles I loved you so I hope you'll understand The reason I must go home Oh, oh, oh Angeles, we had it made, but I no longer have to fight to make your grade. Hey, hey, I cried on your shoulder, cause that's what you gave me. I know, poor me, I'm greedy. You've also got feelings, I'm not who you raised me to be Where's my baby? I miss him to see he's still in me If only you'd give him a chance to return He's been scarred, he's been burned When the tide turns, he'll wash up, watch me Oh, Los Angeles, I loved you so I hope you'll understand the reason I must go Oh, 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 oh Los Angeles, we had it made But I no longer have the fight to make your grade Hey, hey, hey. If I might a toast tonight to heaven and earth They'll guide me right, it's worked so far They've guided me right here Hey, ho, how could he go, ho Hey, why would he stay, hey Things and times them by thirty. My cup overflowed and my tonic got dirty. It's not who you know, it's the heart you can show when you've shocked even you. You've made it, oh Los Angeles. I loved you so. I hope you'll understand the reason I must go home Oh, 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 Los Angeles, we had it made But I no longer have the fight to make your grade Hey, 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 oh, Los Angeles, I love you so I hope you'll understand the reason I must go home. Oh, 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 Los Angeles, we had it made But I no longer have the fight to make your grave hey, hey, hey. I came here with nothing that's how I am leaving Cody Hudock on Independence Day very nice man that's very very good I like what you do I like what the, I like the elements you're bringing to music in 2012 like, like everybody 
everybody seems to want to jam it on the one for 16 bars, and you're really kind of espousing something that goes back a lot farther in the musical tradition, I think. You know, it's like almost like brill building or, uh, you know, the, the, the tradition of actual, like, song craft. Thank you. Which is, which is cool. I dig it. Um, so tell me, like, when, when it comes to writing, you know, when songs are, are crafted to this extent, how much discipline goes into this for you? Is this something you kind of work at? Is this something that just kind of tumbles out? Do songs kind of tumble out? Do you sit down and, and putz around on the, the, like a keyboard for an hour and then just it forms itself? Or like, what's your process? No, and, and the thing that I, I, I will tell people all the time, because, you know, you mingle with a lot of songwriters, is it doesn't come easy. I Like, I like to tell people, you know, take, you, you need to, like, take a chorus that you think is really good, but not unbelievable, but, like, really good, and that's your verse, you know, and, and like, and then you got to struggle for that. Like, I, I, I fuse pieces of songs all the time because I, I, I won't settle for something that I don't think is great all the way through. And uh, other people can do it. It's just discipline. It's just saying like, man, this is a this is a cool chorus, but it's just not transcendent or it's not like as special as I want it to be. But this would be really good as a verse. And now let me try to write a chorus and not settle until it sounds, you know. So it's hard, and it, it, it's I, you really machine it. You keep machining okay. it and going back to it. There's a couple different processes I know by which people go about this. Like some artists are just like super prolific, and I think Ryan Adams falls into this camp where he'll just write and write and write and record and record and record. And I think his quality suffers as a result because he's got some really really great stuff in his catalog, but because he's writing so much, like I, I kind of feel like he should have an editor. Or, you know, or like the producer needs to know when to say, okay, you know, go, sure, go write and record 50 songs, but we're really only going to record, release 10 of them. Yeah. You know, like how much stuff winds up on the cutting room floor for you? It's a good, good question. Uh, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of stuff, but I don't, I, it's rare. It's rare for me at this point because I've gotten so used to doing this and I, I've just done it for so long. It's rare that I will record a whole song and scrap it. It happens like one out of like one out of nine songs, one out of 11 songs. It gets more and more rare, but, um, you know, I also have, you know, to my a fault of mine is I think I have such a, a very powerful internal editor, which holds me back sometimes. Uh -huh. But, um, you know, there's some people who are just brilliant. Like there's a lot of like great songwriters out there who are just prolific and they don't have the A&R guy, the editor in their head. But they write and write, write, and they'll write four songs, and two of them will be awesome. One of them will be be pretty good, and one will be, you know, not very good. And, and you know, and and they learn as a band what works and what doesn't. Yeah. And I appreciate that too, you know, because I think sometimes I'll, I I struggle too much for something that you know, I mean, can people really tell it's like that good? And and sometimes it actually isn't that good because if I just let things flow, which is that's why I want to get to my third album. I want to just jam yeah. things out with the band and just find out, you know, because you surprise yourself in my other band in Marvelous Toy, you know, songs that I thought, well, this song isn't that, isn't that great. You start playing it and as a band, something musically really special yeah. happens. So yeah, when you bring other people in, it really, it really brings it to another level because you know, I, I was fairly autocratic as a band leader when I would have bands, you know, because I had such a strong vision for what I wanted to do, you know, and I felt arranging was so important to me, like just having a band that everybody just played whatever. You know, and maybe maybe that's just me being a bastard, but I I just I had such a strong idea in my head of what I wanted it to be, and and then you know as you learn like I had like musical trust with the musicians, then it was like okay, you know here's some you know let let the reins out and like okay now let's now let's break it apart, but let's start with like version A of the tune, you know let's get this this really snappy tight um, arranged version of the song, and then let's break it apart. Because then we've got like strong elements to rebuild it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm not fish. You know, I don't want to just jam. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I like it when something's crafted, both in what I play and what I like to listen to. You know, and you you're, you exemplify that, which is really really great. I think it's cool. Um, so, you know, so you're you so, but you never answered the question. Like, how much stuff winds up on the cutting room floor? I mean, or did you answer the question? Maybe you know you just... what? You know what's actually? For you, I'll, I'll tell you. The cutting room floor, not not too many songs at this point in in time. But there, like, I find with me, and I talked to my brother about this. He's a great songwriter. Uh, it was on my older brother, but um, he doesn't really have this. But like, I have pieces of songs just a piece that I've had for years and years and years. Like those, those pieces will always play on my mind, yeah. you know? So even if I know I'm never going to use that, like I wrote my wife a song for our wedding and it had this fragment, which I always liked from like seven years ago. And I finally found, I was like, I, I couldn't figure out a verse. I was like, you know what? Let me try shoving this fragment in here for like a little pre-chorus. So I have these, and then there's other ones I have that aren't even that good, 
but they still play on my mind these fragments here and there you know and and uh yeah, and I, I like to let the fragment inform the lyrics too. You know uh-huh. that 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 has helped me a lot in terms of just just like whatever the song is telling me to to do. Like I, I could, could kind of go with that. Yeah, and this is block. this is a softball question, but since we've gotten kind of into like the cool songwriting weeds here, like, are you a lyrics first or music first guy? Music first. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just and then do you? I mean, are you one of those guys who writes on napkins? And then you just apply things to what you're saying, or are you one of the guys who sings nonsense and then fills in words that fit the syllables, I, or or what? I sing nonsense, but usually there's something that comes out of it. Like uh, in that song, "Give Daddy a Smile," it's like like "Give Daddy a Smile." You know, it's like, and then it, like, "Oh, why the long face, my child?" And like, well, I was like, "Well, let me actually write this about like my dad and my mom and how I'm I'm like them." And you know, so I've gotten better. I, I trust that like. The, the gibberish is coming from, you know, obviously you hear about Dylan and how he felt things going through him, but, like, you, you trust that the gibberish is, is coming from somewhere after yeah. a while. And so I, I try to let the gibberish, where I can, inform the song. Sometimes it doesn't work, and you're just like, you know, I'm going to write this about that, you know? like Yeah. But. And in your, okay, so this is, this is we're changing directions now. Okay, there's kind of a pregnant pause there. Did you have anything else to say on that topic before I move on to something else? No. Okay. No. All right, so we'll, we'll, we can we can keep talking about writing because it's interesting. I love love picking your brain about this. But your wife Joanna is a musician as well, correct? And is she also a writer? Does do you, does she write on her own? Do you guys write together? Is she more of a performer? She is just she's a performer. She she performed in high school, um, and and her mom is, a, is is a trained opera singer. And it just it really the talent got passed down, and she doesn't even consider herself. She's a graphic designer and a fine artist. She doesn't really consider herself a musician to the degree that like musicians I know consider themselves that, but she's got beautiful natural voice. You know, you could hear a singer, the vibrato in their voice. It sounds like trained vibrato. And she's got you know, she's got a good ear and, and, and she could play piano without having ever really been taught. So she's more I'm gonna turn her into the artist that I think she can be, but she, but yeah. she's she's more of an artist than she gives herself credit for. But she, great natural voice. She would be signed in a heartbeat compared to me. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah, but like, you know, but so it's, it's just a matter of getting There's her. There's different kinds of talent, man. I mean, I kept thinking before when you were playing, I was thinking of Sufjan Stevens, how, who recorded all, almost all his stuff. I'm not sure if he still works like this, but the Michigan record I know he did on a Roland VS880, which is a desktop digital recorder with a tiny little LCD screen and you know, crappy digital to analog converter, analog to digital converters. And like, I don't even think the first one had mic input. So he was using inf- impedance transformers, little thing that you can t- connect a mic to a quarter inch input. And he did great work on this like device, which would be so frustrating that, I mean, cause I used to, I used to sell music gear. And I used to sell those things and I, I hated those things. <laughs> it was a kind of a stopgap between digital or, you know, analog tape recording and, Nonlinear on a on a computer screen. Computers couldn't do that just yet, yeah. you know. But you can do so much, you know. It's like using using the tools you have. It comes. We're coming back to that topic again. Um, so forgive me for getting off topic. But when you how, how did you how did you meet Joanna as a musician? Did you meet her as a musician? Did you meet her just as a person out in the world? As a, as a musician, um, there is there is one there was there was one person who came to our marvelous toy shows who I, like I saw her as I I was like I I felt like a little awkward. Like she was so good looking. And I and I remember I was like God I hope she comes to a show again and then I, I finally saw her again at a Henry Clay People show, and I was and at that point I was just I, you know I was feeling good that night and I, and I just I was like well I'm not letting her get away this time yeah and so I That's capitalized cute. yeah but Spaceland music brought us together uh huh yeah. was it Spaceland or was it Saddle the Satellite then they it changed was, names well, it was Spaceland yeah. yeah I remember back in the day so many years ago when it was Spaceland. Nothing nothing changed as far as I can tell. It's exactly the same room. Yeah. Oh, it's it's yeah, it's the same. Everything's the same. And so but now do you guys you guys perform together, right? Yeah. I, I, I you know, I do solo shows and I don't I you know, I, I'm like I'll just do this on my own because, you know she doesn't like to do it unless like the circumstances are right, you know, and, and the monitors are good and everything is good. You know, so like sometimes I just I'm like, I'll do this one, honey, but <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, I try to perform with her where I can. Yeah. And how do you find being, you know, performing together? Does that affect your relationship or is it the other way around? Or like, how is, do you work together flawlessly? Do you fight about music? I'm curious. Every couple's got their friction. Everything. Everything you just mentioned. You know, sometimes sometimes it makes it, you know, it's, it's like a fun thing. But for the most part, it's actually kind of, it's hard to stay professional with your wife. And, it, you know. So it, it, it has its its downsides, but it, it it's fun when it, when it works. It's fun when it's working together, and yeah. it's worth it's worth it's worth continuing to do. You uh-huh. know what I'm saying? Like despite like 
the bad parts. It's the good parts are really strong. Yeah, and it and it can go either way. You know, this is again, this comes up every time Tom Waits comes up. But he works with his wife Kathleen Brennan all the time. That's they're like a team. They work together. They write together, and it's and it's very fruitful. It's excellent. Whatever they're doing, it works great. You know, but and I know it's backfired on some people too, myself included. These things happen. Anyway, so let's 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 move on to a happy note instead. Here, how about another how about another tune? Okay. So let's let's uh, do the switcheroo over to keyboard zone here. Tell us what this is all going to be about, Cody. Um, okay. Well, I was gonna. Um, well, I'm gonna do a song now that uh, it's it's kind of quirky and um, you know, man, I should probably do stuff that's just a little more heartfelt. But it's quirky. I mentioned to you earlier, I was a history major, and so like it had to work for something, right? So. Are you gonna are you gonna song. sing me a song about the Louisiana Purchase? Is that what you're about to do? <laughs> Almost. Almost. Um, so yeah, so th- this is a few years old, but I like I, it's just kind of fun. So here goes. the modern era just a man with some mirrors and a dream and a paper ream how to printer named Johannes bring this new day upon us folks read so knowledge spread and now the commoners had Bibles and Luther he smiled cause all of the sudden things clicked the press was a hit, 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 hit. Time stood still. There's a doctor from Vienna with a twisted agenda. He found what holds us down. He studied patients who were insane, took lots and lots of cocaine, and then he took his pen and he wrote about desires that nobody admires but all of the sudden things clicked his theories a hit 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 time stood still i hope i'm there next time we see a revolution start Take some lads clad in black suits, wearing pointy leather black boots. Their style drove ladies wild. You team them with the sonic genius. It sounded like a good mix, but wait, they had talent too. There was one who wrote so pretty, another so angry, but all of the sudden things clicked. The boys were a hit, 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 hit. Time stood still. Time stood still. I hope I'm there next time we see a revolution start. Very nice, man. If I was keeping score there, you had Gutenberg. And Freud and the Beatles. Did I miss anyone? Uh, you, you got it. Yeah, I, I, good thing I went to college, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's just good, good for something. Uh, so again, such, such crafty songwriting, man. I mean, I, I wrote this line in your introduction. I think I wrote something about a new approach to, uh, a fresh approach to musical self-awareness. And you've got that in spades. You know, it's like I, I wrote that line, like now it almost seems like prophetic because you have even more than I thought you did. And I thought you had a lot. Well, thank you. Keep it up. Thanks. And I have to say, you know, as a, as a as someone who's produced music, like my producer's brain is just going crazy listening to your music because I hear all these all these arrangements and I hear all these different things to put on there. Like, and I'm the other thing it reminds me of. I know comparisons are never quite fair, but you seem to me like there's definitely I hear the I hear the Ben folds in what you're doing, but I almost hear like a heterosexual Rufus Wainwright. I I I I love Rufus Wainwright because you've got the flair, you've got the you know, you've got the musical chops. You've got the interesting, like, uh, like almost cinematic scope to the music, but you're not 
at least as far as I can tell, you don't have that like little the little gay flair that goes along with it. Well, that, not that great. there's anything wrong with there's that. There's nothing wrong with that. I appreciate you know people have said before and, and like these like Freddie Mercury. Like Freddie Mercury yeah. and Rufus Wainwright, I'm these people have the voices of of gods and I, I could never even touch them, you know? But like and and I don't I, I'm nothing like Freddie Mercury, but there's I, I get people have said it and I don't understand it, but there's I guess maybe there's something about the way he would explode on things, you know. But so basically I'm compared to like a couple of great gay performers. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and you know, it, it's it's just good. You know, people who have you know something theatrical like that, I think you kind of get lumped in with that that group of people who are gay because it's very prevalent in that community. I hate to I hate to like say such a generality, but it's true. It seems to me, uh, and but it's it's good. You're just good whether you, no matter what, no matter what your sexual preference is, no matter what kind of olives you like on your pizza, or whether you do or don't. You know, if you're a good musician, you're a good musician. And it's good. I dig it. So how about we've just got enough tune, I'd li- enough time, rather. I'd like to squeeze in one more song. Can we do that yeah, before we sure. I mean, we could talk all night, I know, but the music, you've got such great music going, I think. Let's just keep that rolling. Okay. Um... So tell us a little bit about what we're going to play. Last time, completely out of nowhere, we got Gutenberg and Freud and the Beatles in one song. What do you got now? I'm, now I can't wait to hear what you Now got. we have the love of my life. We have Joanna. And this is a song. She always wanted a song and you know ironically my last album was all sort of you know love songs but she she always wanted a a, lo- a song and i was like and when we get married i'll write you a song and i did and this is it this is it yeah that's very very sweet let's hear this this goes out to joanna you asked for the moon I would try After all I am friends with the sky Now it could take a while So you know But there's nothing Too great For my Joe Of the many ways that I could prove my love to you There was only one you understood as fully true And you, you, you said this life will never do Then I gave my life to you If you told me my first third of life Was designed so you'd end up my wife I could comprehend the falsity of all my starts Cause I couldn't know the world until I knew your heart Cause me, me, me It was all that I could see Till you gave your life to me We could begin by ending our pride As we laid bare the children inside And our souls were washed with light Cause finally we couldn't hide Well, the life I have known is now done Cause my dear, we are not two but one If I can't say with conviction Till death do us part It's because when I'm a dead man I'll still need your heart Cause you, you, you Said this life will never do So I gave my life to you And me, me, me It was all that I could see Till you gave your life to me 
Till you gave your life to me That was so ridiculously sweet, I can't even stand it. Did your Now, this is a kind of a personal question, but if she wasn't weeping, was she weeping at the end of that tune? I mean, she was just ready to explode at the wedding. You know, the anything, everything, uh, everything was making her cry that day. So she was weeping, but like, I mean, I could have played like a song by the Guess Who, and she would have started <laughs> weeping. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's very classy, man. I, 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 I salute you know your effort. It's an honest, earnest effort at writing what you feel about the love of your life, and that's a very, very cool thing. That kind of earnestness, I think a lot of people are afraid to show that kind of like earnestness or that kind of like vulnerability and, uh, and good work. I applaud you, man. Thank you. You know, most of, I, I regret to say, I mean, you know, I've got some happy songs about girls. I've got a couple songs about unrequited love, you know, girls that I had crushes on that they didn't know about. Um, and I've got, you know, I've got lots of brokenhearted songs. Like for me, that's the low hanging fruit. I could write brokenhearted songs. Like everybody, I feel like you've got like, you've just got that gift, you know, for, for writing whatever kind of song. I could write them all day, every day, any key, any tempo, just whatever you want. Just name, I can pick a girl's name, I'll make up a story and write a brokenhearted song about her. You know, I don't know. I've, yeah. I, I've been there more than I've been in love. Yeah. So, but you know, but that's the thing. We want to write about the full range of experience, right? Yeah. You yeah know? It's hard to be happy. Yeah. Well, there's gravitas to sadness. You know, happiness seems like kind of like, I don't know, like I said, like I said before, like that earnestness, people are afraid to kind of show the happy side of things because I think it can become trite if you're not careful with it. But you've got, you've got a deft touch. So good work, man. Thank you. So, and we've, you know, sadly, you know, we've run out of time. I'd have you stick around all night and play songs all night. I mean, maybe we'll do that in my living room sometime. Sounds we'll get good. some, we'll get some beers and we'll sit around and play music because that's one of my favorite things to do. So I can't thank you enough, Cody. This was really great. Thanks for coming down to the studio today, bringing your keyboard, bringing your great, great songs. Please do. You don't have any shows coming up anytime soon, but send us, you know, let keep us abreast here of, 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 uh, at the show of what you're up to because we'll make sure people know about it. We'll try to get some folks out to see you. We would love to have your music out there in the world even more than it already is. So good work, man. So, as always, thanks to Cody Hudock, also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley and Wayne Topinski. And to the inimitable Valentino Rivera from Lancer Radio, for Independence Day, I'm Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another.